Today's episode is brought to you by restaurant.com. With restaurant.com, you can save at thousands of restaurants across the country with just a few clicks. Their dining deals range from $5 to $100, never expire, and cost you a fraction of the face value. Dinner has never been easier with restaurant.com. Use for dine-in, takeout, or delivery. Restaurant.com is offering our listeners 50% off their next purchase by going to www.restaurant.com slash podcast. That's www.restaurant.com slash podcast for 50% off your next purchase. Restaurant.com, the best deal every meal. Welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. I need some more coffee. <laughs> this is like... I know. My, I brewed a second pot. Mm-hmm. This is my first, but I have to go get some groceries and groceries during the weekend mean some sort of bought coffee, purchased coffee in some form. Mm-hmm. So I think I might get iced espresso today. So since last week's episode was super dark, like right. with that poor little girl, with poor Fanny Adams. Poor Fanny. I decided that this week's topic would be much lighter and kind of okay. funny. Cool. To sort of like balance out the bad. I'm ready. So this week's topic is animal trials. What? (laughs) Is this like animal shame, like modern day animal shaming? Only there was like actual repercussions. This is like actually taking animals to court and trying them in a court of law. (laughs) (laughs) You better be careful with this topic because if it goes viral, it might come back. (laughs) actually some modern day like there was one that was as recent as 2008 oh my god but it's not as common now as it was in the medieval ages so oh this is medieval yeah yeah that makes more sense that makes more sense (laughs) so like they believed that by like helping your blood they'd like cut you more so (laughs) you don't have blood let's keep cutting you (laughs) well let's dive into it so information was pulled from the following sources a 2019 Ancient Origins article, a 2017 All That's Interesting article, 2015 Atlas Obscura article by Eric Grunthauser, a 2014 Wired article by Matt Simon, a 2013 Slate article by James McWilliams, a This Is Heartpool article, and Wikipedia. And as always, links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. Nice. So as absurd as the very idea of taking animals to court may seem to us today... Back in the Middle Ages, it was more common than you might think. Today, we're going to discuss several cases where animals of all shapes and sizes became unwitting participants in the justice system. You know, before you start, I I could take some some geese and some swans to court. (laughs) Right. I would do that. Yeah. For harassment. Yeah. No shit. Bodily harm. Yeah. I would do that. I'd take it. What if, like, the goose, the Untitled Goose Game had, like, court? Oh my god. Got caught. He's like <laughs> running around with a knife in his mouth. <laughs> There's like police after him. That just reminds me of Hot Fuzz where they had to like catch the goose. 
<laughs> so just to be clear, there are people that believe a number of these cases are made up. Okay. So kind of just like tall tales. Yeah. And unfortunately for us, 19th century scholars weren't as diligent about citing their sources as we tend to be today. No. Right? I know. It's like... I don't believe it. Yeah. Anything written is truth, obviously. For sure. So that being said, even if they're fake, the very idea of them taking place is still laughable. And I actually believe it. Like, I (laughs) I believe these actually happened, given the time period in which they supposedly took place. So most of the trials in question commonly took place between the 13th and 16th centuries, although there are others that have been noted as far back as 390 BC in the time of the Romans. The Romans would. They're just drugged out of their mind. Yeah. Oh, my God. So an example of this is the crucifixion of a dog as part of the celebration of the anniversary of the capital surviving attack by the Gauls. In this instance, the Gauls were able to ascend Capitoline Hill during their attack without being detected by the guards or the dogs, and the Romans were instead alerted to their presence by what was termed as the sacred geese of the goddess Juno. (laughs) So the geese were revered as the saviors of the day, while the dogs were in turn punished for failing to perform their duties. Oh, no. But they were good boys. They were just yeah. good sleepy boys. So every year, one would be sacrificed as a, you done fucked up, son, type of thing. Oh my god. That's yeah. awful. Yeah. Romans. So in a book published in 1906 by E.P. Evans, titled The Criminal Prosecution and Capital Punishment of Animals, he details the two types of animal trials, and I'm going to paraphrase this. Okay. So the animals were brought either before a secular or non-religious or ecclesiastical or church court and could be tried either as individuals or in groups. <laughs> so larger animals were tried for larger offenses, such as murder. <laughs> Just because they were bigger? Yeah. Oh my God. Sizest. <laughs> With the punishment being execution or exile. Oh my God. Oh my God. Exile. <laughs> No. So smaller animals, mainly pests and vermin, were often excommunicated by the church tribunal and even exercised. Oh my God. I would love for some like high priest to try to exercise a rat or a oh gerbil. My oh my God. Go on, Satan. <clears throat> exercise a goose. Like, good luck. Right. Demons. Bite your fingers off. Right. <laughs> 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 In his book, Evans lists some 200 cases where animals were tried for a slew of reasons. These included animals such as bulls, horses, eels, dogs, sheep, and even some dolphins who were apparently tried and executed in Marseille in 1596. It doesn't say what their offense was. I can't. I just, I don't. I think the eels is pretty funny because they probably like shocked someone. And they were like, how dare you? Murder. (laughs) You are going to be exiled from this waterway. I wonder if the dolphins, they were like, we don't know what you are. You're weird. Die. (laughs) (laughs) Are you a human? Are you a mermaid? Maybe. Maybe that's why. They were like, you're some sort of bastardization of a mermaid. You're some sort of devilfish. Yeah. 
die. It was, this is, these are going to be great. Like seriously okay. researching this, I was chuckling so hard. <laughs> it was noted that the reason smaller animals, those prone to infestation, were excommunicated in what was known as anathema in an effort to make it easier to exterminate them, knowing that they were no longer seen as creatures of God's will. Okay. So it's okay to kill them because they're killing us kind of a thing. Pests were given three opportunities to appear in court to plead their case. And if they failed to do so, they would find themselves excommunicated. (laughs) What would happen if they, if they did end up like wandering in? Like, I have no idea. There's there's literally no written case of that actually (laughs) happening. (laughs) That was noted in the book. Like a rat on the stand. Squeak, 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 squeak. squeak. Yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't have a microphone at that time, so it can't even go like the like like dogs and stuff doing microphones. Like they can't even do that, man. Wonder if they had like a like those ear horns, maybe. Maybe the old bullhorn. Plead your case, demon. In one case, a mischief of rats were sent a quote friendly letter of advice in order to induce them to quit any house in which their presence is deemed undesirable, according to Evan's book. A group of mice is called a mischief? Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) A case of this took place in the 1480s, when the French Cardinal Bishop of Auten ruled against an infestation of slugs that were ruining state grounds that were under his charge. Okay. Three days of daily processions were led where the slugs were ordered to leave or, quote, be cursed. Okay. Obviously, the ones that didn't get the message after that time were exterminated. Oh, they were salted. (laughs) They were assaulted. (laughs) (laughs) The 16th century saw one of the most famous public defenders of vermin, in the form of Bartholomew Chastney. There's always got to be one, right? Yep. That one guy that's like, this is messed up. I'm going to defend these <laughs> <laughs> This is my chance to shine. Uh, is it ye old PETA at that point? I don't know. <laughs> if the tiny gloves don't fit, you must acquit. I just imagine like him lifting like a rat to his ear and the rat's just like biting his ear. <laughs> Like, you're right. He says he, he says he didn't do it. I don't know what to say. <laughs> He's innocent, but also I'm bleeding. <laughs> Doesn't that look bad because I'm bleeding out of my head, but it's really good. Right. He says he didn't do it. His first case was defending rats who were also tried in Auten for destroying a barley crop. Oh, man. He was somehow able to see them all spared from elimination, seeing as they couldn't be summoned to court, quote, on the ground of the length and difficulty of the journey and the serious perils which attended it, owing to the unwearied vigilance of their mortal enemies, the cats, who watched all their movements and, with fell intent, lay in wait for them at every corner and passage. End quote. <laughs> so, the, so the rats can't go to court because they'll get caught by cats on the way? Yeah. And he won? He won. Oh, no. <laughs> some judge was like you know what fair he's like you're right also they ate that crap 
Because it's food. <laughs> well, and it was obviously God's will. In Stelvio, which is now modern-day Italy, a company of moles were banished in 1519 for causing crop damage. The defendant's lawyer objected, which caused the judge to alter the sentence with the clause that those, quote, with young and to such as are yet in their infancy, end quote, should be given a window of 14 days before being ejected from town. Oh, good. <laughs> Give them time Thank to God round up say- the children. They saved the pregnant moles. <laughs> yeah. Women and children. Women and children last in this instance. And they're like, when are moles adults? Two weeks? Cool. All right. You got two weeks. You got two weeks. Grow up and get out. The literally. worst offender of them all was the weevil, which is a long yeah. snouted beetle. Yeah. Back in fifteen forty five, they viciously attacked grapes in France causing grape growers to request public prayers to account for their sins and will the weevils away. Aggressively attacked grapes. (laughs) (laughs) They got like little knives. with all of their little arms. <laughs> but can we make a t-shirt about this? There's no we knives. <laughs> Had your grapes. Had your wine. The weevils are coming. <laughs> Technically, it is a crime against God because wine is the blood of Christ. <laughs> they're spilling it on the streets. <laughs> And for a time, as absurd as it sounds, the prayers seem to work. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny to think that a creature that doesn't know language at all would be able to, one, listen and hear prayers, two, understand said prayer and three have have the ability to be like you know what you're right you're right i'm gonna stop (laughs) (laughs) what i am doing is a pretty dick move i should rethink my life choices and go somewhere else they need wine we're really we're we're being jerks (laughs) we'll wait for the raisins there you go that is until 30 years later when they returned and were taken to court for ruining a crop of holy grapes. Oh, no. (laughs) The trial started on April 13th, 1587, in St. Julian, France, with Antoine Filiol assigned the task of defending the weevils. He argued that the bugs had been created by God, who, in his divine wisdom, wouldn't have put them here without the means for them to survive even if that survival meant the decimation of the town's crops. I mean... The prosecution threw creationism right back in their face, stating that even though animals predated man, they were intended to be subservient and subordinate to them. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what if they were only eating the demon, like the unholy grapes in the holy grape vineyard? 
Well, apparently this was a vineyard like run by the church. Yeah. So but what if they were, what if they were like eating? They the were ex- they were exercising the evil grapes. Yeah, they were they were only eating the bad ones. Maybe. Therefore, still working for the people and the Lord. Lord <laughs> doing God's work. Yeah. So since a consensus couldn't seem to be resolved in court, the townspeople took it upon themselves to come up with their own resolution to the pest problem. Fire. (laughs) (laughs) This is fire. (laughs) You know what this needs? Fire. (laughs) (laughs) It's so all problems ever. <laughs> Burn it down and start over. So they actually set aside a tract of land where the weevils could thrive away from the townspeople's livelihood. But according to their attorney, the land, quote, wasn't good enough, end quote, <laughs> because it didn't have enough food to support them. That makes sense. The prosecution rejected this claim as the area was full of trees and shrubs that would be perfect for their decimation. In an ironic twist of fate, eight months after this trial began, the judge passed judgment that has since been lost to history. Oh no. Because the last page of the court records were destroyed by weevils, by rats or bugs of some kind. (laughs) You said that that's their appeal. Bug justice. (laughs) So that is the end of our cases covering pests and vermin. Funny. We're moving on to bigger animals now. Oh no, this is like the murders and stuff now. Yeah. Oh. Less fun. Of the larger animals that were tried in court, the ones that were most often brought to justice were pigs. For the simple fact that they kill people, and more frequently than you'd think. Yeah, like wild boars and stuff? No, just domesticated pigs. Really? Yeah. Because at that time, a lot of them were allowed to just sort of roam free range in, like, town and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we'll kind of get into it. Okay. One such case that took place in 1379 saw two herds of swine eating together when three of the lot became agitated and attacked the swine master's son, who later perished from his wounds. All of the pigs were later tried, but only the three that did the actual attacking were put to death, with the rest being labeled as accomplices and pardoned. (laughs) I mean, if they're put to death, do they still eat them? You know, I didn't see that in any of my notes. None of them said whether they ate them or not. I wonder if they wouldn't because they're, like, evil. If they were murderers and stuff. Well, and based off the way some of um, them were executed, I don't think they'd be able to anyway, as we will get into. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So 1379 was a good year for pig attacks, apparently. As on September 5th at a French monastery, a man named... God, there's so much Frenchness, and I didn't look how to say up how to say this. <laughs> Better open that that cubby. <laughs> there you go. I apologize for my horrible French in advance. A man named Perawa Mouet was killed by two teams of pigs who became agitated. Both herds were tried and found guilty and sentenced to death. Unwilling to suffer the devastating financial loss of all of his pigs, Friar Humbert Houtois wrote to the Duke of Burgundy, pleading for pardon for the majority of his sounder, which is what a group of 
Hogs is called. Sounder, okay. Pleading for the majority of his sounder to be spared from death. The Duke, in an uncharacteristic show of sympathy, pardoned all but the three main perpetrators of the crime. Always three? Yeah, they always do groups of three, I guess. Wow. And it's unknown how they were punished. The town of Savigny? Does that sound right? I don't don't know. know. We're going to go with it. The town of Savigny, France, saw the (laughs) trial of a sow and her six piglets in the fall of 1457 after they attacked and killed a five-year-old boy. Oh, shit. The sow was sentenced to be hanged by her hind legs from a, quote, gallows tree, while the piglets were exonerated as no one saw them actually attack the child. Damn, that's cruel. Yeah. Say goodbye to your mom, kids. Yeah, that's a really cruel way to die, too. That would take forever. Mm -hmm. Great pains were taken to try and keep the trials of the animals as close to their human betters as possible, even to the methods of punishment. In the earliest documentation of a medieval animal trial, that of a pig in fontenay au rose in 1266 near Paris, the swine was publicly burnt for mutilating a child and committing infanticide. Holy smokes. Literally. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But that wasn't traumatizing after seeing a pig kill a baby. Cool. Yeah. No kidding. Another in 1386 was maimed on the forelegs and head before being hanged after it was found guilty of tearing the face and arms of a child. Jesus Christ. Before it was executed, the sow was dressed in a waistcoat, gloves, and a pair of drawers with a human mask placed on her head. Why? I don't know. To, like, make it better to kill? More realistic? That doesn't... I don't know. I don't know. You're weird, France. <laughs> you guys are so weird. You guys are so weird. And also, like, why are your pigs so aggressive? <laughs> right? What are you feeding like, All of this is in France. Yeah. Like, what were you doing to your pigs that were making them just, like, lash out at children? Yeah. Yeah, they're just like, I hate your babies. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> What's happening? A hog was arrested near Clermont, France, for, quote, strangling and defacing a child in its cradle. According to multiple witnesses, the pig let itself into the home and, quote, disfigured and ate the face and neck of the child. Jesus. The hog was found guilty and hanged. Does this, like, were you able to see if if pigs just did this in other places or were, like, all of the pigs demons in in France? A lot of these just took place. The ones that I was able to find were just in France. So I don't know if... This is a case of... Like, maybe there was some sort of disease man, running through like, there? Like swine flu or something? Some weird, like, mad cow something disease, but for pigs? That, like, yeah. That triggered them maybe. to do this? Because... Because I know they can be aggressive, but I wouldn't think they would be, like, malicious like that. To just kind of go up to, especially an infant in a cradle, and just be like, I'm gonna eat that. And just yeah. attacking it. In 1567, another sow was hanged after she was found guilty of assaulting a four-month-old girl with, quote, extra cruelty. And this one is kind of funny. Okay. One unlucky pig in France found itself hanged in 1394 for sacrilegiously eating a consecrated wafer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Wow. I want to know how it even got its little hooves on a consecrated wafer. Did somebody drop it? Mm Mm-hmm. Probably. So this next one made me really mad because the animal hadn't done anything wrong other than to be just there. Great. So in the late 1500s, 
the naturalist Leonard Thurneser gifted a Swiss town a moose. The townspeople viewed okay. the creature as a dangerous demon, and a pious old woman rid the town of it after feeding it an apple stuck full of broken needles. Oh, damn. Yeah. So we already probably didn't want to be there. And then they just murdered him. Yeah. And I really like moose. Mies- Mises. And that really pissed me off. Yeah. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, I kind of want to find that old lady. I'm just really mad. And I feel bad for the moose because it didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, he just existed. He was like, hey, guys, what's up? And they were like, murder him. He's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I didn't do anything. Yeah. In a few instances in which a sow and a she-ass were sentenced to be hanged, after a retrial, they were instead sentenced to simply be knocked on the head. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't too hard to where they were, like, incapacitated for the rest of their lives. I know, I was like, oh, women hit them so hard that they were, like, dumb the rest well, of their Well, and also, lives. like, you can hit them hard enough to kill them because that's how they kill livestock, generally. It's hitting them on the head. So, like, yeah, we won't murder you. Psych. <laughs> Psych. We're going to hit you really hard in the head. Yeah. You're still going to be, you're just going to be murdered on accident now. Yep. Other animals found themselves breaking the law, such as the case of a cockerel in the Swiss city of Basel. In 1474, a rooster committed the, quote, heinous and unnatural crime of laying an egg, which was deemed an act of heresy. Okay. The rooster was sentenced to be burned alive. And a somber crowd watched its immolation. Were they sure it was a rooster? Or was it one of those, like, fuzzy hens that they, like, didn't know about? No clue. Oh. I know. Birds really get, like, the worst. Yeah. They just get kind of the short end of the stick always. Yeah. So during the Napoleonic Wars, which were from 1792 to 1815, the British viewed anything French with great suspicion. Fair. <laughs> this is why when a French ship wrecked along the coast of Hartlepool, with the sole survivor being a monkey, the locals immediately thought it was a spy since its chattering sounded, to them, as if it was speaking in French. According to legend, the townspeople held an impromptu trial that found the poor primate guilty before he was hanged. Oh, dang. I know. And today the people of Hartlepool are still known as monkey hangers. Ouch. What a great nickname. Yeah. We used to live in the ice cream capital of the world. What's your town known for? You know, hanging monkeys. Jeez. Wow. In 1621, a woman in Saxony, Germany, died after a cow pushed her over. In a oh, no. plot twist. Normally we're yeah, right? Like normally the cows die after their legs break. The law faculty of the University of Leipzig held trial for the bovine, and she was to be executed with the instruction that she was to be killed and buried, unflayed, with none of her flesh eaten or hide taken to be made into leather. So she died and wasn't used. Yeah, she was just buried. They probably just thought of that as more of a punishment. Yep. And in case you're wondering about the crime of bestiality, because of course you were, Okay. Oftentimes, in fact, in most cases, the animals were acquitted because they were unwitting participants in the sexual acts made against them. Great. Cool, 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 cool. Oh, God. Take, for example, the case of a man and his she-ass in 1750 for this alleged act in Vanves, France. The man, Frenchman Jacques Ferrand, found himself convicted and sentenced to death. While the she-ass was exonerated on the principle that she was an honest creature 
and clearly not at fault for the acts committed against her. Jacques was burned to death for his crimes. Damn. In one unfortunate case of this crime, the animal was also found guilty along with the perpetrator. A mule was set to be burned alive along with the man who buggered it, and because the mule took to kicking so much, the executioner cut off its feet before setting it alight. Oh my god. Wow. That's not nightmare fuel at all. In some instances, the animals were actually jailed along with human criminals with the owner charged for board as a form of punishment. Hmm. So it was kind of like, you're the one that let your animal kind of do whatever it wanted. So you're the yeah. one that's going to be punished for it. I mean, makes more sense than to charge the animal for being an animal. So why try the animals at all? Some believe it was to restore the natural order of things in the eyes of God, while others believe they may have been used as a means of deterring others from allowing their animals to run free to do as they please without having to face the consequences. Fair. Still others view the trials as something else entirely, that these animals were seen as sentient beings that deserved empathy and compassion, and to be treated the same as any of God's creatures, right or wrong. Because the fact of the matter is that during the time of these trials, humans spent inordinate amounts of time with them, up to 16 hours if you were a farmer in the 17th century, for example. Okay. So this allowed their owners the opportunity to observe and learn of their unique personalities, associating human characteristics and motives to their actions. Right. They were able to see them more like pets. Yep. And humanize them. So regardless of the reasons why, Judges in these trials always came at them the same way they did what they do with humans, by taking into account their personal circumstances and intent before meeting out final judgment. Mm. And that is the amusing yet sad history of animal trials. Wow. I both loved and hated that. Right. I just think the bull weevil thing was super funny. Yeah. Just telling a bunch of bugs. Like, even if you did tell them. They don't live long enough for them to, like, learn from their mistakes. <laughs> right. To move on. Man, that's really funny. Yeah. Leave the Lights On is a true crime podcast with a paranormal twist. Join creator Eliza and her co-host as they explore terrifying true stories and chilling crimes. Growing up, Eliza had an odd obsession with the darkest desires of humanity and an insatiable curiosity about the afterlife. Now, each week, Eliza brings you tales that will make you want to lock your doors, hide in your room, and of course, leave the lights on. Available on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Do we have a podcast pl- plug we this do. week? This week's podcast plug is the Leave the Lights On podcast with Eliza. It's a true crime podcast with a paranormal twist that covers true stories that will make you want to keep the lights on. Ooh, spoopy. Yeah. It's really good. I listened to it and you should definitely subscribe and listen to some episodes. Awesome. It's good. We also have a question this week from our good friend Ashley at the Studying Scarlet podcast. Okay. She wants to know what our favorite John Mulaney bit is. Oh, man. Because we both love him. Yep. I really do like Street Smarts. Street Smarts. Yeah. With Detective Bittenbinder. <laughs> I do like that one. That that was the first one that came up, so I'm going to say that. That's and a actually, lot of stuff he does in too, like the too much tuna and stuff. 
latest that like <laughs> and I bet two elderly men. <laughs> it's too much tuna. I like I do love Street Smarts. That's probably my my all-time favorite one. Mm-hmm. But my second favorite one is his bit with the horse in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> There's a horse in the hospital. <laughs> Oh, John Mulaney. I know. I love him. I kind of, I wish I would have known. I I would be able to see his sitcom now. Because he had a sitcom. But like, yeah. I was in college at a point where I didn't have normal TV. So I never yeah, got the, to see The John Mulaney show or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. Didn't that have um, Martin Short? Yes. As like his dad or something? Something, yeah. Martin Short. I'd like to see it now. I don't know if you can find it anywhere. I'm sure you can. I'm sure it's on like Hulu or something. Yeah. Everything's on Hulu. It's true. Hashtag not an ad, but could be. (laughs) 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 Wink, wink. All right. Would you like to share something good? I know people will be really sick of this by this point, but um, my something good is Joe Biden is the 46th president of the United States. Here, here. I actually met Joe Biden uh, when he was running for president in 2008 before Obama was picked as the candidate. Mm-hmm. He offered to buy me ice cream. So we were in an ice cream parlor. He was very kind. And um, he was running late to another campaign event and his like very terrifying security detail. Yeah. Security detail was like, we got to go. He was like seven foot crazy and had like 12 guns and probably survives <laughs> wearing like a suit and with like a little earpiece and stuff and um the president-elect uh he was like hold on i'm not finished here and he finished answering my question he's like did i answer your question i said yes and he goes do you have any more questions and i said no and then he left and i always remembered that that he took the time that was really cool yeah and um I'm just really relieved. I hope. I know it's not going to be easy by any means in the next like few months, but um, I have a little more faith in humanity again, and I'm yeah. very happy about that. So that's my good thing. What about you? I feel like I should say, to be clear, we're not a political podcast, so I hope no one takes this. <laughs> no, 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 like, no. Sorry. In a, in a bad light. It's my hope that over the course of the next four years, we will be able to mend a lot of the bridges that have been burnt in the last four years, that we will be able to come together as a nation once again, and that the people who view Democrats as basically the devil or whatever you want to um, term us as, that you will be able to see that we're just like you Mm -hmm. and deep down we hold a lot of the same values Mm -hmm. um and at the end of the day we're all people who just trying to have a better life exactly Mm -hmm. so if you are somebody who was and still is a trump supporter and you listen to this podcast i hope that you will continue to listen to this podcast Mm -hmm. again we are not we try to keep political stuff out of it and we this will probably be like the only thing we ever really say about it. Right. But we just want to say that we love you 
and we're really happy that in the face of a lot of a lot of fear mongering, a lot of hate, a lot of nasty things from both sides, truthfully. I'm hoping after all of the gloating and griping is done, uh, we can actually do some things to make our country what it should be. Mm -hmm. A united nation. I mean, we've done it once. We can do it again. Yeah, that's that's the goal. Right. I think my something good this week is going to be, I am really thankful for how nice the weather has been recently. We have, we're enjoying in Minnesota an unexpected, I don't want to call it a heat wave, but, um, but even though I've been dealing with um, fevers pretty much all week, low grade fevers, it has been very nice to open up the windows, get some fresh air in the house, go stand outside with Kona while she's running around the yard on her tie out. Yeah. Yeah. I might sit outside with the puppy and my dog and just be outside because they're both scent dogs. So they just, they just like sniffing the ground. Like they're, they're happy for hours just sniffing the ground. So why not? <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. It's about that time. Yep. So you can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. We, this past week, surpassed 2,000 followers on Twitter, which is awesome. Thank you guys which is a super insane. amazing achievement. It's just insane. If we can hit a thousand on Instagram, that would be awesome. I think right now we're sitting at just under 600. You can email us at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. You can send in your stories, episode suggestions. If there animated are gifts. animated gifts, if there are certain um, <laughs> things you'd be interested in seeing on merch, let us know. Yeah. We're always or open to suggestions. Yeah. yeah, and submit your um, questions. They can be about anything and everything. If you want to hear more random stories from our childhood, let us know. If you want to hear something as off the wall as, I don't know, what our favorite flavor of ice cream is after living at the ice cream capital of the world or something like that, let us know. And if you can leave us a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts, that would be amazing as it helps get the word out about our show, makes us more discoverable to potential listeners. That's extremely helpful. And I wanted to shout out our newest Patreon member. What? Yes. Special shout out to Rebecca of the Thrice Cursed Podcast for being our newest patron. Thank you so much. Let's get that trampoline for next summer. (laughs) There you go. Hashtag trampoline2021. There you go. Um, If you want to join Rebecca and others like her, you could enjoy ad-free episodes on our Patreon that also come out a day earlier than our actual Wednesday schedule. We also put up bonus content like video outtakes from the show Mm -hmm. and other perks if you would like to join Rebecca on our Patreon for as low as $5 a month. Once again, Tee Public is having a store-wide sale where t-shirts are $13 and everything else in the store is 35% off November 11th through the 13th. So that's starting today, the day this episode comes out. So again, if you've been waiting to purchase some merch, 
now is the time because it's on sale. I am also going to be trying to get some other merch designs up there as soon as possible. And if you do purchase something, please send us a picture. We would love to feature you on our social media channels and be able to say thank you personally for purchasing some of our merch and repping our little show. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale. As old as crime.